today on Real Life Radio. If you're real, you know, if you're honest, you can even ask them that way. Lord, if you're real, will you show yourself to me? I'm never afraid to invite somebody to just say, if your heart's right, if your heart's sincere, if you really want to know, you call out to God, he'll reveal himself to you. Give them the gospel, yes. But tell them, go home and pray and seek God and watch what happens. God will reveal himself. Welcome to Real Life Radio with Pastor Jack Hibbs. I'm David J. thanking you for joining us today as we listen, learn, and are challenged by God's Word, the Bible. On today's edition of Real Life Radio, Pastor Jack now continues his series called The Gospel of Luke with a message called When Jesus Comes Near. Now, this series on the Gospel of Luke is a series that gives us both the humanity and the divinity of Jesus Christ as only Luke, the physician, could see it. Here, as we continue in chapter 4, we'll discover that Jesus is a prophecy fulfilled and the hope for our salvation. You see, it was true then, as it's true now, that the very person and work of Jesus causes people to get excited. But that excitement can either be a positive thing or a negative thing. Many had heard Jesus teach and had seen his miracles. Some were skeptical, but others truly were never the same. So today on this part of the message, Pastor Jack tells us that people have their reasons for following Jesus. But one thing is for sure, wherever Jesus went, he brought light, he brought life, teaching the people about themselves and about God. And now in his message called, When Jesus Comes Near, here's pastor and Bible teacher, Jack Hibbs. Father, we ask now that you'd bless the going forth of your word to our hearts. Father, we pray that you would fill us up with your Holy Spirit, that it would be your anointing that allows us to be students. And Lord, it would be your anointing that allows us to receive all that you have for us. So Father, we ask you now to bless your word in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. amen. Grab your Bibles. Turn to Luke chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, put your hand up. The ushers will give you one. Luke chapter 4 in our study together. And uh, we are looking at a message this morning entitled, When Jesus Comes Near. When Jesus Comes Near. I'm sure that you're like me when you read the Bible and you wonder, man, I I wonder what it was like then. If if I could just have seen Jesus do that thing, if I could just hear him say what he said. We all sense that. We all want to be closer to the action, closer to the action to what he's doing. And yet I want to encourage you this morning, Jesus Christ is not done doing what he does. As long as you're breathing, as long as you're alive, God wants to reach out to those in the family of God, yes, by touching our lives, and to those of you who maybe you don't know Jesus personally, you've never had that incredible, awesome, life-changing encounter between just you and him. And uh, he wants to change your life too. He wants to affect you and There are things that happen, my friend, when Christ draws near you. It's impossible to have him near you without something happening dramatically. And as we've been looking in our Bible study here in the Gospel of Luke, when Jesus comes to town, tremendous things happen. Either people accept him or reject him. Whenever Jesus is about, people are never left in the gray zone. They are never allowed to stay neutral. In fact, Jesus said it himself, you're either for me or you're against me. And even so today, now I know a lot of hostilities are starting to be gendered up and boiled up about Jesus in the day and age in which you and I live in. And I don't want you to be discouraged, Christian, about that. I think it's a sign of the end of the times. And I also think it's a good thing. 
When Jesus and the presence of Christ can be so comfortable to all manner of lifestyles and all manner of living, then maybe something's wrong. Maybe, maybe Jesus is not being clearly portrayed. But if we're going to take a loving, firm, strong, biblical stand for Christ, listen, Jesus put it this way. We're going to be salt and we're going to be light in a dark and dying world. And so don't lose heart because Christ is under attack. I would say rather be encouraged. Something's happening. And maybe a line is being drawn in the world around us to either choose Christ or not. Maybe for some of us, there's great difficulties in our life. Don't lose hearts. Maybe God is preparing for him a church that is holy and spotless, the Bible says, without blemish. And so these are encouraging days. What happens when Jesus comes near is the title of the message. And uh, this morning we're looking at chapter 4, verses 31, down to verse 44. Follow along with me if you would. Luke tells us, beginning at verse 31, Then he, Jesus, went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbaths. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word was with authority. Now in the synagogue there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him and said, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him in the midst, he came out of him and did not harm him or hurt him. Then they were all amazed and spoke among themselves, saying, What manner of teaching is this? For with authority and power he commands unclean spirits, and they come out. And the report of him went everywhere in the place of the surrounding region. Now he arose from the synagogue and entered into Simon Peter's house. This is Peter, of you, uh, of you knowing of Peter's fame. Peter of the Bible, Simon. But Simon's wife's mother was sick with a high fever, and they made request of Jesus concerning her. So he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she arose and served them. And when the sun was setting, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to Jesus. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them all. And demons also came out of many people, crying out and saying, You are the Christ, the Son of God. And he rebuked them and did not allow them to speak, for they knew that he was the Christ. Now when it was day, he departed and went into a deserted place. And the crowd sought him and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also. Because of this purpose, I have been sent. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Galilee. The first thing I want you to realize, uh, church, and you can avail yourself of this, is by looking at a map. And uh, we need a map up on the wall right there, everybody. A map again. There it is. Yes. Um, you see the area to uh, the left of the screen, Nazareth, right below Galilee, the A. Nazareth is where Jesus had been. You remember that. Remember last week, Jesus was there and he gave them the word of God. He announced to them that the word is being fulfilled regarding them. And what did they do? Did they accept him or reject him? They rejected him. His own hometown, they cast him out. They didn't want him around. They mocked him. And so from Nazareth, right there below the A in Galilee, he went down, as we shall see in a moment, to the place of Capernaum. Very nice printed there in red. Capernaum. Now, for those of you who care about these things, I kind of do. I like this stuff. Nazareth, even though it's south of Capernaum, is at the elevation of about 1,200 feet above sea level. 
the sea level being to your left, the Mediterranean right there where Mount Carmel is there depicted in the map. Get, uh, Nazareth, 1,200 feet above sea level. But when you go down to Capernaum, look how you go north and then east a little bit. Don't let the fact that you go north and east fool you about going down. The verse here, the teaching opens up by him going down to Capernaum. Why is that the case? That's kind of a strange thing, isn't it? Not at all. Because you see there the Sea of Galilee. It's almost 700 feet below sea level. There's a dramatic drop, you guys, of just... 32 miles from 1,200 feet to 700 feet below sea level. By the way, that incredible valley right there where you see the Jordan River and the headwaters of the Jordan River by Caesarea Philippi and Dan, that's where the Jordan is created, flowing out of the top of Mount Hermon. That water comes through. That's the great Trans-Jordan River rift or the Trans-Jordan Rift where an earthquake fault goes out to sea where Sidon is, comes down, descends all the way down to the um, opening areas of North Africa. That is the area of a great earthquake valley uh, where this Jordan River, Dead Sea, Sea of Galilee uh, exists. But very much below sea level. The weather there is wonderful almost every day of the year. Uh, it's so low and warm all the time that the growing season never ceases. It never stops. And so it's a very amazing place, very beautiful. So he goes from that region down in uh, to that a portion of Israel. And he's going to come now, having left Nazareth, you might want to look at the topography, the difference of it. Look at how Nazareth is. Na Nazareth in 1858 looked something like that by pencil drawing. This is drawn by someone who actually sat there and drew this by pencil in 1858 regarding Nazareth. And there's some other photos of Nazareth today. And uh, we'll go through it in our tour. And you can see that it's a very populated area, a very dense area, uh, a very large area. It's quite beautiful, by the way. Those mountains in the background take you into the Mediterranean Sea. Uh, and so it's a very, very exciting area. Jesus would have been there, his hometown, and then descended down into the Jordan River area. So as we look to our study today... As we look at what we're being uh, taught on, the fact of the matter is Jesus Christ is now going to come on the scene in Capernaum uh, in a little bit of a different way. Now watch this. In Nazareth, he opened up the word of God and he taught them. They refused him. They had heard about his miracles. They had heard about his teaching. But when he came to town, they rejected him. He's going to come to Capernaum. They had heard about the rumors about Jesus. They had heard about his healings. He teach. He teaches them, he taught them, he instructs them. They do not reject him, but they receive him contrary to Nazareth. Two different cities, two different attitudes. Now this is important to us. Because they receive him, things begin to happen. And Christian, that's always the case regarding our faith in God. If you open up your heart, if you'll just take that step and say, Lord, if you're real, you know, if you're honest, you can even ask him that way. Lord, if you're real, will you show yourself to me? I'm never afraid to invite somebody to just say, if your heart's right, if your heart's sincere, if you really want to know, you call out to God, he'll reveal himself to you. Give them the gospel, yes. But tell them, go home and pray and seek God and watch what happens. God will reveal himself. He's real, he's alive. And so Jesus is going to give them the gospel and they're going to respond in Capernaum, where in Nazareth they did not respond. Point number one in our study together today, there'll be four points total. When Jesus comes near, number one thing we need to realize, and it's true today, is that he brings illumination. Will you jot that down? When Christ comes near, he always brings illumination. 
meaning that he will heighten your hunger for truth. When Christ comes near, he will provoke you. He will cause you to dig. He will cause you to search. Listen, as a pastor, I hear a lot of people say this thing that I'm about to say. Pastor, I just kind of skated through school. I got my degree or whatever I'm doing now. And I got to tell you, I just read enough books just to get by. Never quite finished any book ever. Just enough to get the A on my exam, you know? And all of a sudden, now that I'm a Christian, I can't stop reading the Bible. I can't stop reading books. I know people who attend this church who previously could not read. They came to know Jesus. Jesus gave them a hunger to learn, to know the Bible. They applied themselves to learning, to reading, and they started diving into the Bible and reading good books about God and about God's world that he's created. What happens? Well, just on the earthly plane of education, wherever Christ is preached and the Bible is honored, the education level goes up. Now, you may find that offensive if you're from some other geographical location of the world. I want to challenge you, though, with that. Wherever Jesus Christ is preached and the Bible is honored, you will see a standard of living and of education elevated. When you take Christ away, that begins to diminish in any or every culture. And listen, go look at history. Wherever the gospel is preached, go look at those nations or those countries or those cities. Wherever God is welcome, there's a honoring of human life. There is a civility about people. They don't even have to be Christians. There are hospitals. There are education centers. There's libraries. Wherever Christ goes, there is a, an elevation of the standard of life and a passion to know more. It's the way God works. You could say that God is anti-ignorance. And you look at many of the cults and of the false religions of the world today, and they love to keep people bound in ignorance. We think of the things that we're seeing now in Iraq, a world's record in the last 37 years where there are more women now going to school in Iraq because under Saddam Hussein's regime, they were not allowed to learn. They were not allowed to know. And you watch as Bibles will begin to flood into that Iraq. You watch people come to Christ. There'll be even more than the 55,000 Christians that were there before the fall of Iraq. Wherever the light goes, wherever Christ goes, people will be awakened to truth. You think about Europe and the great things that Europe achieved because Europe was founded upon the missionary ventures that came out of the Middle East. People came to Christ. Great institutions were founded and great government installed. You think of America, the most blessed nation in the history of mankind, the most powerful nation, a nation that once had the Bible everywhere. A nation that once in its actual federal annual budget, the government paid for the printing and distribution of Bibles around the world. Did you know that? Amen. The United States of America. Those days are gone and you can only expect that the blessings will be retracted sooner or later as well, unless we turn back to God. But wherever Christ goes, he brings illumination and that's true. Listen, how so? Number one, by teaching people about themselves. When Jesus taught, he taught people about themselves using, of course, the word of God. Verse 31 says, then he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbaths. I know this sounds kind of uh, silly and it's a little bit obscure, but will you take your pen or pencil and circle the word Sabbaths, the S on the end? Multiple, back to back, every Sabbath, Jesus was teaching the people. He cared about them. And when, it, when he taught them, the word that's here in the Greek language in teaching them, it's the word that he taught them 
didasco. The word means verse by verse. He gave them the Bible and then out of it, he brought application. You say, well, Jack, where is that in the Bible? Well, at least two places. Number one, right here, didasco means verse by verse. He taught them verse by verse. That's why we teach verse by verse. Did you know that's the only reason why this church teaches verse by verse is because Jesus taught verse by verse. If, it's, if, it, if Jesus teaches verse by verse, we need to do the same. Uh, second thing is this. You know how you open the Gospels and Jesus, it says Jesus uh, opened his mouth and taught them this parable? We only have captured the parables. The parables came at the end of a verse by verse teaching. Did you know that? When, G, when you read that Jesus taught them parables, it, meant, it means, first of all, that he had taught them a Bible study from the Bible and then wrapped it up with a parable. He gave illustration. So whenever you hear him teaching parable, it follows that he taught them Bible. And so he taught them about themselves, that they might know God, that, that they might experience God. And where did this teaching take place? It took place, as it says here in the little S at the end of Sabbaths, he taught them in the synagogues. The synagogues were the central place of learning for God's people. Now look with me. This is amazing to me. And I, I, I don't know, I get excited about this. Why? Because when Jesus was in Galilee, when Jesus was in Capernaum, that's before you right here, What's left of it is just this area right here. Church, listen, there are less people living in the Galilean Capernaum area right now than there was during the time of Jesus. There were tens of thousands of people living in Galilee when Jesus lived there. Now there's hardly any. It's a very small population. Look at this. This is wonderful. In fact, you see a little flying saucer there to the left? That black thing? Um, Looks like a flying saucer, doesn't it? That's, that's uh, archaeologists have unearthed Peter's house. Peter's house has been unearthed right there. It's pretty amazing find, but that's not what we're interested in this morning. Look to the right of it. No, back up. Look to the right of it. Look at this. See that? That is the synagogue uh, that has been unearthed. We know from archaeological evidence that when that was unearthed, by the way, it was unearthed by um, Catholic monks that were German Catholic monks that during World War II, they were confined uh, to their area. During World War II, the German monks couldn't leave this area. So you know what they did? They were so bored in their writings, they said, we are becoming atrophied. We need to work out. I kid you not. They began working out by digging holes. Guess what they found? They found that synagogue. <laughs> in that synagogue, we found archaeological evidence that said it was built by a Roman centurion funded by him. You say, well, so what? The New Testament says that there was a centurion in Capernaum who funded and gave them the opportunity to build a synagogue. That's what I love about the Bible. Faith founded upon fact. Not only that, that room can hold where the general assembly meets. You can meet with 240, 45 people there in that place. We can get the entire three buses of our tour inside that general area and give the gospel, which we did this last spring. It's an awesome blessing. Next slide. If you would, this area is beautiful. There you can see. Now look at the terrain. If you go to the right, Mount Hermon, covered in snow at this time of the year, is beautiful, rising over 9,000 feet high. It is the waters of Hermon that flow into the Galilee from the Jordan, the Northern Jordan River. The uh, synagogue is right there along the shoreline. It's extremely quiet there, very beautiful. You can hear the water lapping on the shore. You can hear birds. But look at the terrain. It's very much like California. See the Bougainvillea? See the banana? and the ficus groin and the uh, juniper. It's very wonderful. You, you just love to be there. Next slide. Uh, more, more of that synagogue. Beautiful archaeological find. This is where Jesus preached and gave the word of God. 
And some things happened here that were very exciting. People were liberated here in a very powerful way. And so as he was speaking there, uh, the scriptures tell us that Jesus coming into this region would have been now fulfilling Isaiah chapter nine, that in the shadow of death, light has dawned, a reference to the Messiahship of Christ. He's preaching, he's teaching. And uh, this is where he actually would have preached from and the word of God would have gone out. Now, if you can put your imagination in that room, you were there. And there's a second story floor. The evidence is all there where there's would have been a, uh, a, an upper level and uh, there would have been the teaching going on, a beautiful setting. And there they are right along the uh, Galilean Sea. And so Jesus begins to teach them and he begins to bring application about uh, the Bible to their own lives. Uh, the second thing we see is that Jesus taught them about God. It says in verse 32, and they were astonished, you got to circle that word, at his teaching, the instruction, for his word was with authority. His word was, was with authority, meaning that when Jesus taught them, he taught them with not only firsthand knowledge of the Bible, but instead of him quoting the rabbis, as was the custom of the rabbis of those days, they would just quote another rabbi. Jesus never quoted a rabbi like that in application. Jesus said, behold, I say to you. And they loved it. The people loved it. Why? Because Jesus spoke with passion and boldness about the Bible. And they were captivated by that. They were held bound by that. Never before had anyone had the boldness to say, I tell you this truth. And then he would make illustration. And it held the people captive. You say, Jack, you're making a big deal of it. I have to. I'll tell you the reason why. You see the word astonished right here? They were astonished at his teaching and teaching them about God. The word means, are you ready for this? The word means to slap your face. <laughs> what? You mean Jesus slapped their face? No, he spoke the word of God with firsthand knowledge and boldness and the people went like this. Look at me, everybody. They went like this. That's what it means. The word in Greek means they were slapped or shocked in the face when they heard what he had to say and they loved it. Can you imagine going to a Bible study that Jesus is teaching? Oh man, that's a pastor teacher's dream come true. In fact, when we put the word of God together, I'm sure I speak for all pastor teachers. Lord, let me say it like Jesus would say it. Oh God, please fill me with your spirit that I might say what he would say. Can you imagine? We can only imagine that he spoke and people listened and they went, wow. They were completely astonished, shocked at what they were hearing. Why? There was a vessel of God standing before them that was so devoted, so pure, so holy, so committed, so filled with the agenda of heaven that when Christ came and began to speak, the very inside of the human soul was stirred. Why? Down deep inside, oh yes, and even you, Mr. Atheist, even you, Mrs. Atheist, down deep inside of you, there is a longing, longing, remaining ember or effervescent that is left over from Eden that knows down deep inside maybe maybe could God maybe maybe be real, real life, pastor and Bible teacher Jack Hibbs here on real life radio with his message called when Jesus comes near thank you for spending time with us today you know when Jesus comes near is part of pastor Jack's new series called the gospel of Luke it's a series on the book of Luke and the unveiling of Jesus Christ to this world. And we'll continue 
on the next edition of Real Life Radio. Hey everybody, want to make sure that you are aware of a tremendous book. I've got to tell you before I give you the title, I want I want to set you up. It's alongside my uh, my nightstand, and when it's not there, it's in my uh, book bag alongside my favorite chair. And it's the book by Paul Benware. It is entitled Understanding End Times Bible Prophecy. It's an incredible book. You're going to want to have it. I've got it all the time with me within reach as it covers exhaustively the things of God from a prophetic nature. You'll love it. Understanding End Times Prophecy by Paul N. Benware is yours for a gift of any amount, and it's available at our website, jackhibbs.com. That's jackhibbs.com. This program is made possible by the generous contributions of you, our listeners. Visit us at jackhibbs.com. That's jackhibbs.com. Until next time, Pastor Jack Hibbs and all of us here at Real Life Radio wish for you solid and steady growth in Christ and in His Word. We'll see you next time here on Real Life Radio.